Welcome to Master Mindset. Reframe your thinking, master your mindset with Nate Schooler and Kim Adele. Really interested in this topic because work-life integration is a, is a massive thing. I, I, you know, a lot of people like to call it by its other name, right? But work-life integration is, is absolutely crucial to a happy life, right? Because otherwise you can kind of really create a life around your work whereas we need to kind of get a bit more of a balance don't we really yeah and, and balance is one of the things that I think we're all trying for in life but often it's easier said than done isn't it when we've got so many competing priorities we've got our jobs um we've got our family we've got our friends we've got our hobbies we've got our children um and you, you can often find yourself I know I certainly used to find myself and sometimes still do feeling like I'm failing at everything <laughs> because I'm trying to cram too much stuff in and, I, and I'm constantly thinking about what I've not done yet rather than taking that moment to go but look at what you have done um, and one of the things I've realized over the years is we all have a very different perspective you know I always feel like I'm running at 10 miles an hour <laughs> when I need to be running at 100 and I'm not getting anywhere and then I'll often chat with friends and they'll say, oh, what have you done so far today? And I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other. And they're like, how? <laughs> what time did you get up? And I was like, oh, well, I'm actually, instead of thinking what I've done, I'm thinking about the other 50 things I haven't done yet. Um, so I guess one of the things that I, I'm learning is to, one, try and reduce how many things I put on my list, but two, give myself a moment of thanks to me as much as thanks to everybody else when I've achieved them so that actually it doesn't feel like you're constantly on that hamster wheel and and you don't get anywhere yeah that's that's a tricky one isn't it but I mean I know you're lean qualified right and you know how to ensure maximum productivity is like our first sort of uh, topic out of the three that we're going to talk about and Something can become something can be really easy to start with. Like, for example, our newsletter, it was easy, right? And it, and it was easy, but then it became overwhelming because we just kept adding different bits to it. it became, and it just it went from this to that. And then we spoke about it the other day and you said, well, why don't you do it like this? And I just scratched my head and went, oh, OK, yeah, you're right. Right. But it's but it's like until you observe what you're doing and then look at all the moving pieces ensuring maximum productivity is a, it could be a dream right well yeah and also it's always easier to look in on somebody else's world than it is to look in on your own because <clears throat> when you're in your own you're too busy in it you're in the weeds it's a little bit like when we run our business we're often too busy in the business um so working in it not on it and actually what we need to do is be working on it. So we've got to take ourselves out of the weeds and look at where we're heading to next. But that's easier said than done in lots of in lots of spaces. And that's often why people will find themselves an accountability buddy or a mentor or somebody, somebody who can actually help them come back up out of the weeds and go, well, why are you doing those bits? What, what, what value are they adding? Um, and as we talked about on, on the newsletter, you know, we, we talked about themselves, they're not actually adding any value. They're adding a huge amount of stress and a sense of overwhelm because you feel like you've got to do all of these parts. But actually, once we worked through for what purpose, you hadn't got one. It was a case of 
well actually if you just do it here on you know on linkedin as we do then actually that's going to get the information out to people that hopefully they'll find useful without creating this cottage industry in the background <laughs> to, to kind of um overcomplicate it and make it less joyous to be part of because it's got to be we, we want to serve we want to give back but we want to also feel good about that because when you feel good about what you're doing it comes across in what you do yeah and being being productive being happy is a way of being productive because a lot often we will delay progress right we'll delay doing something because perhaps we don't really like it so we might sort of dread that particular task right or that particular project we might decide oh i'm not sure i want to do that and that dread it slows us down doesn't it really yeah and i guess my approach has kind of always been the opposite way so i know i've always had a bit of a reputation for having a legendary work rate but that's because i always tackle the things i hate doing first and then I reward myself with the things that I love doing because they don't feel like work. They're like a reward. So because of that, you've kind of crossed off the worst thing in your day at the start of the day. The day can only get better. What an amazing way to live to live your day. So you know, for me personally, I find that really works. It's like, let's focus on what are the things, even if I don't enjoy them, let's get them done. Let's get them out of the way and then give myself that reward of doing something that I just love. So that's a real sense of of brain training then, isn't it? It's training training your brain to say, well, if you do this, I'm going to reward you, right? Yeah, and I guess, you know, for a lot of years, it's why I was slightly overweight. I used to do the same with my food. I eat the things I didn't like first and reward myself with the things that I did. So I guess it's always been a bit of a way of life, not always for the positive. Um but, but in that piece, it's going, you know, we, we want to feel rewarded. We want to feel like we've, we've done something well. You know, we look at, if you look at your kids, you know, Scarlett loves it if she gets a sticker or a thank you. It doesn't have to be a gift. It can just be a, you know, thanks so much for helping with that. You made my day. And she trots in and she tells school all about it. And she's so excited because it's that moment of gratitude. And I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we are possibly better at being grateful to others. Well, yeah, we, we thank other people when they help us. At least I hope we do. Um, but do we ever thank ourselves when we've helped either ourselves or somebody else? Because actually, if we get ourselves in that balance, we talked last week, didn't we, about self-leadership. I think for me, one of the things that I've been learning, and I'm still on that journey, my nan says every day is a school day. Bless her, she's right. Um, but it's a case of saying, actually, how can I be my own support? And part of that self-leadership is absolutely holding yourself to account if you haven't done what's expected. But there's two sides to every coin. So as well as holding yourself to account if you haven't done it to enable you to make sure you do do it, you've got to be able to be grateful and thankful to yourself when you have done it. Because we need to keep that balance. If we don't provide the balance for ourselves we can't really provide the balance for other people because what we'll start to do is feel like we're doing things and we're not getting any thanks for them. Well, who was expected to thank us? Us. We came up with the idea that we were going to do it. Um, So actually we need to become a bit more of our own support infrastructure, I think. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, certainly from, from where I am, I just realized that, you know working flat out is extremely difficult so 
I'm I'm going to try out uh, this this technique of it's 52 minutes really hard work and then 17 minutes uh, break. And I think I used to do that when I had lots and lots of tasks to do. But since since we've actually flipped our work schedule around and we've said, well, what tasks do we need to get done? I mean, we'll get we'll get to that in the three easy steps, right? But that really, I think, has made a big difference for me because you know. There's this old adage, right? My dad used to say it a lot, like work fills available time, yeah? And this is just so true. When you don't define what you have to do, it's, um, it's extremely difficult. Um, but I think, I think also taking like regular exercise, drinking water, eating good food, you know, all of the self-care kind of things are as important as work, right? They, they, they kind of boost the productivity themselves don't they well yeah and sometimes we can, we can tell ourselves we can't finish this until we've finished it and then you can sit there for hours desperately trying to work out what to say next how to finish it how to solve the problem that you've got and yet actually if you take a moment away if you go and do something else take the dog for a walk go and play with the kids it doesn't matter but go and do something else then what that does is it allows your subconscious brain to continue working on the problem for you. I think psychiatrists sometimes call it positive procrastination. Um, So it's saying, actually, if I've sat here for 10 minutes and I'm not getting the answer, think about something else. Proactively think about something else because your subconscious will continue to be working on it for you. And then you'll come back. And how many times have we done that where you come back, sit down and go, that's the answer. How could I not get that yesterday when I sat there rocking in the chair because I was desperately trying to? So I think some of it is being a bit kinder to you know, to ourselves in the same way that we would want to be kind to others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spoke to Michael Tobin about the work-life integration and he was sort of saying, you know, that it's that it's really important if you have a partner um, that you live with to 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 let them know like when when you may have to work late or you're going to have to respond to an email or you might need to work some extra hours it's really important to kind of let them know because then they can kind of support you right along that along that journey as well yeah and i think it's it's about saying you know how do we put those parts in marks i was really bad at this for for decades which was i would always my drive to want to add value and to do well added to my imposter syndrome thinking I was always hopeless I would just work and work and work and work and I would pick up the phone um, and respond to emails in the middle of the night uh, late at night it didn't matter what was happening didn't even matter if I was on the night out I would stop and I would be able to pick the phone up and, and respond because I wanted to feel like I was adding value but what I didn't realize was I was inadvertently being disrespectful of my friends and family because what I the impression I gave was work was more important and that wasn't true they were all equally important I was desperately thinking I'm letting them down I'm letting work down letting somebody else down but I was you know taking that step back and saying okay actually you know one of the things I do now is my phone goes on to silent um at night when I've got my little girl so between when I pick her up and when she goes to bed, it's like that's my time with her. And it's only if there's an emergency that I would pick the, you know, pick the phone up. It goes on the side, on silent, and I can see on my watch who's ringing. If it was you know, a family member and therefore know it's an emergency, I'd pick it up. If not, it's like I'll, I'll call them back as soon as she's gone to bed. But 
it's important that she knows she's really important to me and that therefore we sit down and we have our time together because I don't want her thinking that we live our life at the end of our bed and, and that this is actually an appropriate way to for you know for us to communicate with each other that's my personal choice everybody has to do what's right for them and I think that's one of the key things we have to learn is that we are all as unique as our fingerprints what's right for me is not right for somebody else just because I want to do it doesn't mean to say somebody is wrong for wanting to do something else that's their choice and I think we've just got to become so much more accepting of our differences and allow for that and go well actually I'm not judging anybody else on their choice um nor should they be judging me on mine because we've all got to be able to live with the decisions we make yeah very 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 much so and and we are we're all completely different right and and the thing is all of our jobs are completely different and if we can if we can uh, utilize automation as best as we can you know use the technologies that are out there like you know i'm i'm using like a, a calendar scheduling tool right so if someone wants to book into my calendar i send them a link and then they can choose a time slot right this has saved so much back and forth. I know you do the same thing, yeah? So then it sends a Zoom invite to the people as well, right? And then there are like writing tools. Then there's, you know, Grammarly, checking your, your, your words if you want to write something in a certain style. There are so many tools that actually you can use. If you just take the time to learn about these new things, it can really dramatically help your life, actually. And... I think you're right. I think having having uh, your own plan for this, perhaps turning off notifications, working out which channels bother you and who you want in certain channels. Like, you know, for example, in my Facebook Messenger, it's not a way to get me on an emergency. Right. If you have my phone number, you can get me in an emergency on WhatsApp. Yeah. But then if you communicate with me too much and try and sell me stuff on WhatsApp, I'm going to mute you. So then I might not see you until a few hours later. Yeah. And I think being conscious of of these things, checking the emails, you know, three, four times a day instead of looking every hour and letting it pop up on your machine, because, you know, I'm guilty of interrupting you all the time when you're in the middle of tasks. And I and you might laugh, but it isn't good. Right. So I'm learning to 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 not do that because if i pull you off a task yeah i think that they worked it out that it takes like 20 minutes or 30 minutes for you to refocus so the last thing you need is nat and being his being his childish self interrupting you when you're trying to do like a deck or a, or a really important something yeah well no and it is i think i think the research shows it takes us 20 minutes once we've been distracted to get really back into the focus so when we think oh i'm just going to quickly look at Twitter or quickly look at LinkedIn I know for me personally it never is quick because it takes me a while to get back to the point where I was focused but sometimes I need that distraction so again what I'll do is I'll for me personally I'll plan my day but everybody has to find the thing that works for them I, you know for me I'm a bit of a tech geek and um, Thomas Powers is always laughing at me because I am a tech geek um or a tech nerd I think he called me the other day um but I love that stuff. Some people, it would fill them with absolute dread. So actually, they don't need to learn these new things. They don't need to go and waste time that they're not going to enjoy um, learning something that they don't want to do. It might be something they could outsource to get somebody else to do it. Or they find a way that works for them. You know, I am an absolute 
bit of a tech geek. I love a bit of tech for everything, but I'm also a traditional girl at heart. I still have a really sad 1980s to-do list book at the side of me, which everybody laughs at. It's so sad. Um, but I personally just like the thought of going, these are the things I've said I'm going to do today, and I get joy in actually, one, writing them out and two, ticking them off. The last thing I do before I close up for the evening is to write down what are the three things that I need to get done tomorrow so that I can be really focused at the start of the day and go, right, do these. And if I can, I get them done before lunchtime, which allows me to do extra stuff or just take a little bit of a breather, take the dog for a walk, go and do something else. But it's about personal choice. So, you know, for me, I've got some things. I know you're great at having a notepad and you'll sit and type notes up I'm again a bit old school I've got an A3 pad of paper on my desk and I write all the way around my um, my keyboard as I'm chatting to people because I find it much easier to sit and write like now jotting something down without actually having to remove my eyes from the screen or from who I'm talking to what who I'm engaging with because I want to make sure I've captured the note but I know if I type, I have to really think about it and you'll see me do this because I can't do that. I can write without looking. So again, it's finding the thing that works for you and not worrying if the thing that works for somebody else does nothing for you because it's about finding your happy, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So so are those the three easy steps or is that something else in creating an one? <sighs> I think for, I think for me, your easy steps are whatever works for you. So for me, one of the things that I found is I write myself the two or three things that I need to get done. And I try and make sure that maybe there might be four things. It might be two or three things I need to do for work and one thing that I need to do for home life, for family, for me. And then I look at what are my rewards going to be? So my rewards, if I get them done, are going to be something I enjoy. So extra time with my little girl or being able to, um, if I don't have her, because she, you know, she's with her dad, to go out for a really nice long walk or to pop and go and get a coffee. And it feels really indulgent as a single mum to just sit and have a coffee and just read a book. Um, but I'll reward myself with that if I've done the things that I want to do. Now, for some people, that would fill them with absolute dread <laughs> they've got to go and do that like, oh can't think of anything i'd like less but that's the beauty of it is you do what works for you it's your reward it's something that you're going to find joy in and it took me a lot of years to realize that actually that's what really works for me is finding something that i find joyful even if somebody else would think it's a chore one of the things that i love most in life is cooking so one of the ways I unwind and I find joy is to go and cook or bake or create a new recipe or do you know, do something else, um, like make jam or or um, bake cakes. The neighbours love me because I keep giving them away because if not, we would be the size of a housing estate. Because um, I also find it quite therapeutic. Um, you know, so if something's really bothering me, if I'm struggling to work something out. I will go down to the kitchen. The kitchen for me is, is my is my happy space. And fortunately for me, it's my little girl's happy space. So she loves cooking as well. So it's an activity we can do together. Um, so I get the, the joy of, of that time as well. But for other people, it wouldn't work. And, and it took me a long time to realise that actually rather than apologising that that was my happy place, 
I could just go, look, it's mine. You f- find yours, whatever yours is. Yours might be to go and play football. It might be to go and watch some sport. It might be, it could be anything. But the point, I guess, I've learned is that it has to be yours. So, so my personal three steps for integrating work life are to say, actually break it down. Instead of having a to-do list that's the length of my arm, even though sometimes I have, what are the two or three things that have to be done today? so that I can feel like I've moved forward, that I've hit the major deadlines. What am I going to reward myself with as a result of that? And taking a moment at the end of every day to create tomorrows. So what are tomorrow's two or three things? And also, what am I thankful for? Not just what am I thankful for that other people have brought into my life, which I'm always grateful for. And me and my little girl do a gratitude thing every day of all the things that we're grateful for but I now include in that what are you grateful for about yourself so what is she happy that she did today that she's proud of what am I happy that I did today that I'm proud of because that was previously missing from how I was running my life and things have become so much more balanced for me personally I hope it helps (laughs) but if it doesn't find your three steps that help you and don't worry if they're different to everybody else's. I guess that would be my advice is find yours. Um, and once you've got them, don't apologise for them. If they work for you, then that's great. Yeah, you see, I sort of look, my life is very different to yours because I live on my own, right? So I have I have the, the, the time in the morning to exercise. And that, for me, sets me up for my day, right? So I'm in a certain frame of mind when I actually get to work. And that gives me maximum productivity but like you've you've worked in big jobs for decades yeah so you already have control over your emotions uh, very well so for me i use that to control my emotions and set my mindset in the right in the right way so then i can actually just focus on the three tasks that we've got to do and then you know reward myself with something afterwards but also I like reflecting. I think reflection, reflecting on what we've done today, what, we, what we've done at the end of the week and what we've achieved is massive, like in terms of motivation. And actually that really helps to create a work-life integration because it makes you happy. And if, if it makes you happy, then it's enjoyable, right? But I do think that if you are out of balance in any of these particular areas, just taking the time to say, well, you know, I'm creating the life that I want, right? And all right, so perhaps the corporation that you work for has said like this bank today that they're a four-day work week. You only have to work 34 hours, right? Okay, well, that's that's wonderful. You get, you get to have breaks and you get a four-day work week. Uh, but other people, they might choose to work seven days and to work four hours a day, right? But work in blocks of really highly focused, high-energy, very high concentration work, which in essence could be the equivalent of someone else's 60 hours if they weren't that good at it, right? So it's, I, I think the better at your job that you get, the less work that you really should have to do, in my own personal opinion. Uh, and I think we're in for a good ride. The next few years are going to be very interesting in terms of uh, work-life integration and actually how businesses are looking at employees, you know? Yeah, I guess for me, the thing is, I think we don't, it's not necessarily about the better you get, the less work you have to do for me personally. I think it's a case of the the 
better and more confident we get at our role, the less we feel we need to fill. So, you know, a lot of organisations are now looking at people's outputs rather than their inputs. I've personally really benefited from this. You know, I spent decades doing really ridiculous hours, being the first person in the office, being the last person in at night, and didn't necessarily make me the most productive. I was just there all the time. Um, whereas since having my little girl, I wasn't able to do that. So I was like, I will make sure I get everything done that you've asked me to do. But I need to be able to take her to um, nursery. I need to be able to pick her up. So I'll be able to do these many hours in the office and then I'll do the rest of it when she's gone to bed or before she gets up or on my commute. But if you're willing to measure me on my outputs, not on how often I'm in the office, then actually I can guarantee I can get the job and I've been get the job done. And I've been really fortunate. I've worked with a number of really forward thinking organisations that have allowed me to do that. And obviously since COVID, it's become a more common practice more of us are in that space where it's about what we deliver not how long it took us to deliver it um so you know i might have got it done in an hour whereas before i might have taken three because i was sat in the office i went and chat to people i went and had an extra meeting went and did other things you know i remember 20 years ago i used to work from home on a friday and my team hated it um, because they'd spend all week <laughs> putting stuff on my desk because they knew i was busy traveling around i i used to um, commute between um, London and Edinburgh and on Friday when I got home they hated it because everything that had landed on my desk for the week landed back on their desk by lunchtime because I didn't have the commute I didn't have to have the distractions I didn't have people coming up and chatting to me because there was just me in in the house and therefore I could just power through the work and they're like we literally used to sit there going oh it's Friday she's gonna bombard us with the answers that we've been asking for but we kind of hoped we'd get a reprieve so you know sometimes it could be a benefit sometimes it could be a challenge but at least if people understand it they can start to build that into their working week as well Fantastic. Well, thanks, Kim. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And so do you think that people should go and grab the GROW training? Do you think that will help them if they want to sort of uh, plan out their uh, their life a bit better or what? I, I guess, yeah. So I guess at this time of year, I mean, for, for me, at this time of year, I start thinking about, am I as far ahead as I wanted to be? Is this year been a good year? Has it been what I expected it to be? What do I want from next year? And I always use GROW. I've been using GROW for nearly 30 years now because it's a great way personally of defining what I want to do really getting structured on where am I today why where am I in relation to where do I want to go and then what are my options what are my obstacles and what am I going to do next so that I can actually a little bit like I do at the end of every day go what is it I need to do tomorrow I do it at this time of the year to say right actually I can now pull the year to an end enjoy the festivities at the end of the year and know that I'm set up for action and I've got a really robust plan to make 2022 the most amazing year I can make it. So for me personally, it works. If you're out there thinking about what you'd like to do and you'd like some help um, in structuring that programme, then we have got Grow Training. Um, I'm sure we can drop it in the link below. Um, and we've currently, I think, got it on a Black Friday offer. So if it's helpful, please do go along and check it out. We have had some really great feedback on it. So hopefully you'll find it useful. If it's not what you need, then we hope that actually today's given some value just in our chat. And we look forward to chatting to you again next week. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends and tell your friends. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.